0: Luke chapter 16, Luke chapter number 16. We're going to look at this passage of Scripture, the unjust steward. I, I'll be honest with you, it's a, it's, a, it's a strange parable. And I want to look at this parable today and uh, let's draw some truth from it that we can learn and understand. When I say a strange parable, just the conclusion that it comes to uh, and we'll see that in just uh, a moment. How the uh, the Lord that uh, uh, really fires this unjust steward, and then and then commends him for uh, what he does. Um, you might initially look at it and say, why would he be a uh, why would he why would he commend him for doing such a thing? And we'll again we'll see it in a moment when I'm speaking of. But I want to start with toward the end of this parable. And we'll read this first, and then we'll go back and we'll study this parable through. Look with me in verse number 10 of Luke chapter 16. He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. So here the Lord says, if you're faithful in that which is least, and least is is uh, money. And least would be something that's not important. If you're faithful in the things that are not important, then you'll be faithful in that also in much. And he that is unjust is in the least, is unjust also in much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if ye have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who shall give you that which is your own? Now, the Bible speaks much of of money or stewardship. Now I want to calm everyone's fears. I'm not going to actually preach on tithing today. I, I know the the most sensitive nerve they say in a human body is the one from their heart to their pocketbook. That nerve that nerve's there. And when the preacher starts preaching on that people get a little nervous. But the Bible speaks a lot about money and and speaks a lot about uh, stewardship. And and um, and how do how we live? You know, January is is a month that many of people come to, and they've overspent the previous month. The credit card bills are now coming due. The 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 uh, the all of the things that we just had to had to have that we don't even play with anymore, our kids are back to normal. And I was. Visiting someone yesterday in our church, and they still had their Christmas tree up. And uh, when I went in to visit, I, I said to him, "I said, man, doesn't Christmas seem like it was months ago? It's not even a month ago. And we put so much into something, and then we we're finished with it, and life moves on. But you know what? Sometimes we're not finished with is is the financial strait that we've put ourselves in." We're living in a, in, a, in, a, in a day that debt is so easily available. I I, um, I, I find it interesting, My both of my adult children, they get every day in the mail, they get these credit card offers in the mail. And I, I want to call the credit card companies and say, you don't realize, they don't have any money. <laughs> They're still living at home. And so I help them out. I just rip them up and I throw them in the trash without even showing them to my children, but, but they, they say the average American, the average American now is $60,000, not, not mortgage and cars, but $60,000 in credit card debt. How do we get to this place? How, how we get to this place is we've become poor stewards of the resources that have been entrusted with us. If you make100 dollars a week and you spend 105 dollars a week, you mark it down, you're going to find yourself in debt. If you make 100 dollars a week, and the, the, the good steward is going to make it and also save some of that. And, and so today I just want to look at this passage of Scripture, and, and uh, I, I, want to, I want to help us today, because what I am finding is this, and if you study many a times, relationships are broken, Marriages are broken, and homes are broken. And what do you think that one factor, that main factor is in many cases? It's money. I won't ask you to raise your hand, but in most homes, it seems like one likes to save and the other likes to spend. Some people are laughing, and that just you didn't have to raise your hand. We know who you are now. (laughs) A lot of fighting takes place because we spend, spend. And so here in this passage of scripture, the Lord is going to speak about being a good steward. And, so, and there's two thoughts. Some people think this money, money, it doesn't really matter. And we should never talk about it in the church. But I, I want you to know this, if we're going to preach the whole counsel of the word of God, guess what at times we have to talk about? Some people think this, money, that's why I go to church. I I want to be pleasing the Lord, so it's so important to me. I want to get rich. If you think that just being a Christian is going to get you rich, then you're a Christian for the wrong reason. The Bible doesn't teach you this prosperity gospel. But the Bible does teach about stewardship. And God is interested in how you secure money. He's interested in how you save money. He's interested in how you spend money. He's interested in how you share money. God is interested in those things. And Luke chapter 16 shows us and proves to us that God is interested in the resources that he has given to us. And so... On that which is least, in this passage of Scripture we see, he that is faithful in that which is least, that again, is, is, uh, this, in this reference, he's speaking of finances or, or resources or money that you might have the unrighteous mammon that he speaks of in verse number 10. If you therefore have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, or that's material goods. If you've not been faithful in material goods. Now, I want us to just preface this, that as we look at this passage of scripture this morning, we are not to live for money. We're not to live for it. We're not to be consumed with it. We are supposed to steward it. I teach my children this same principle. We don't spend money. We steward our finances. We steward money. If you spend money, you are going to find yourself in trouble. If you steward money, you'll make great decisions and good choices. God is interested in what you do with your material goods. God desires to give us true riches. Now, again, you might hear some evangelist that says this, God wants to bless you and give you true riches. And so that means this, he wants to make you rich. Well, how many of you might say to yourself today, I love the Lord and i sure I'm not rich. So maybe God doesn't love me. No, if, if, if you hear someone say that if you're a child of God, God wants to make you rich, I would advise you to do this. Just turn that off and find some preacher that's gonna preach the Bible instead of preaching to your emotions. True riches that God speaks of are eternal rewards that we'll have, not physical things on this earth that someday we're not going to be able to take with us. Isn't Isn't it something we live our lives to obtain what we can't take when we die? Most people just want more money. And that's not what this passage of Scripture, that's not what this, this, uh, 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 this parable is speaking of. God says, no, money or the unrighteous mammon is just a test. It's only an index of your faithfulness. If you can be faithful with, with that which is least or with money, God can trust you with things that really truly matter you see so often people think this though about money money if it's evil no the bible doesn't say that money is evil the bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil and you say well that can't be so well who made the gold god did who made silver god did if God's made all of these things, then 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 having it isn't what's evil. It's when all we do is we're consumed with getting it. That is what we as a Christian need to be careful with. In 1 Timothy 6, the Bible speaks of uh, the uh, love of money. I'll, let me go there and read this passage of Scripture to you uh, quickly. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred, from the faith and pierce themselves through with with many with many sorrows for they have erred from the faith those that coveted it or or that's what they're living their life for money in the hands of a good person can do good things money in the hands of a, of a good person can feed hungry people that's a good thing money in the hands of a of a uh, good person can can give drink to to someone that's thirsty can clothe those that are naked and and so having it as long as it's going to something eternal is not a bad thing money can be a good servant but you can't be a servant to money and there's a difference and so look let's look at this parable let's look at this parable today luke chapter 16 how many of you are with me today how many of you grabbed your wallet or your pocketbook and closed it up real tight? Luke chapter 16. I want to help you today. I really do. I, I honestly want to help you in stewardship today through God's word, Luke chapter 16. And he said also unto his disciples, there was a certain rich man who had a steward or a servant or someone that was caring for his household, his his possessions. The same was accused unto him that he had wasted his goods. And so this this man of wealth had someone that his job was to take care of this rich man's goods, and it got word to him, and it was an accusation made that this one that was supposed to care for his goods has wasted it. And so this, this man calls, in verse number two, he calls him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? Give an account of thy stewardship, for thou mayest be no longer steward. What does he say? I want you to let me know. Give an account. The things that I've given you, give an account of what I've given you. And if you've not been faithful, you're no longer going to be the steward of what I've allowed you to have, allowed you to take care of. In verse number three, then the steward said said within himself, what shall I do? For my Lord taketh away from me the stewardship. I cannot dig. And I like this. This this shows you his his thoughts process here. I cannot dig. You know what he's saying? I'm too lazy to work. To beg, I'm ashamed. I'm too good to, to, to beg. I'm not gonna work for a living now, and I'm not gonna beg. I'm resolved what to do that when I am put out of the stewardship, they may receive me into their houses. And so this is what he says I'm gonna do. I'm gonna steal. So he called every one of his Lord's debtors unto him and said unto him, unto the first, how much owest thou unto my Lord? And he said, a hundred measure of oil. And he said unto him, take thy bill and sit down quickly and write 50. So we'll just give, we'll give 50 to to, to the Lord. We'll We'll split the difference. Then said to another, and how much owest thou? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said unto him, Take thy bill and write four score. Write eighty, and we'll we'll split the difference. And, and the Lord commended the unjust steward. And this is this is the part, verse number eight, when you get to this part, you say, Boy, this was odd. So the Lord commended the unjust steward, because he had done wisely. For the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Now, this is the part of the the the, the parable. When you get to the, the verse number eight, you think to yourself, now wait a minute. He he this this man is unjust, he's not caring for it, and then and then when the, the the his boss finds out what he did, he actually commends him for that. That doesn't make sense. But what we're looking at is what the Lord, the application that Jesus is using. He says, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. Verse number nine, I say unto you, make to yourselves friends of mammon or friends of the world of unrighteousness that ye may, when ye fail, that word fail there does not mean when you you get fired, it's when you die. When you die, when you're gone, they may receive you into everlasting habitation. And so I, I want you to, to follow along with me with this, this parable. Because we will all give an account of our stewardship. Everyone here is going to give an account. You're going to give an account of what God has given you. You know what the good thing about that is? You'll never give an account for what God hasn't given you. You will give an account for what he has given you. So often we say this, I wish I had all of this because if I had all this more, I could do more. No, no, you, God's never going to hold you to what you don't have. He's going to hold you, what are you doing with the Lord for the Lord with what he has given you? And so we find this man, I don't want to work. I'm too good to beg. I know I can't steward any longer, so he says I'm going to do, I'm going to go to these that owe my master money, and I'm going to steal. And the rich man found out what he, was, what he was going to do and what was going on, and he commended him. And in verse number 9, the, the parable explains itself. The unwise steward made plans for the future so that when he was no longer a steward, they, they'd receive him into his house. And this, this is what he's doing. He's saying, I'm going to make friends with these people. We're gonna, I'm gonna, they're only going to pay back a portion of it, so then when I'm out and I have nothing, those that, that I'm conniving with, those that, that uh, uh, I'm working this deal out with, they'll let me in. They'll take care of me because I'm working a deal. Even though it's going to hurt my, my boss, I'm going to make a deal with them, and then I don't have to work. I don't have the beg they'll receive me they'll welcome me in and they'll care for me and Jesus says let me make an application for you in verse number nine and this is the application don't let the children of this world be more shrewd than you are wise don't allow the children of this world to be more shrewd with their dealings than you are wise You take what God has put in your hands, and and this is what verse 9 is saying. You make friends for God. You win souls for Christ. And when you die, they're going to receive you into heaven. Live your life in such a way that there's in heaven people waiting. In heaven, there's people that are welcoming you in. In heaven, there's people saying, Thank you for, for befriending me. Thank you for sharing God with me. Thank you for sharing Christ with me. Welcome into this everlasting habitation. In verse number nine. Now, some say this: you can't take it with you. How many have ever heard that? You can't take it with you. Only a couple of you heard that? Have I lost you already? When I say we're going to preach on money, it, Turn me off now. I mean, we've heard that you can't take it with me. You've heard that, but I want to say to you this morning: the only way that you can take it is when you invest what you have on this earth for eternity. And so, I don't know if that statement is necessarily true. You can't take it with you. It depends on what you invest on this earth. You invest in the gospel ministry, and guess what? You will take with you. Rewards. You invest in the things of God with the resources he's blessed you with, and guess what you will see? Eternal rewards in heaven. You live for the things of this world, and that's a true statement. You can't take it with you. The only thing that's going to heaven is the souls of mankind. And so, Christian, what are you investing in? If you're investing in the gospel, if you're investing in the souls of mankind, then your investment will be eternal. And so if you take what you have and you invest it in the future and you make plans for what is going to go to heaven, when you die, in verse number nine, what happens? They'll say what? Thank you. I'm here because of your stewardship. People are, hear the gospel because of your stewardship. And Christian, the church ought to be investing in eternal things. And when we say the church, we don't mean the building. We don't mean the programs. We're talking about you and me investing in things for eternity. Living so that heaven, the souls of mankind, will be introduced to heaven. Now, I'll be, I'll be the first to, to admit again, this parable is not an easy parable. It's a parable where you just think to yourself, what is he saying? What is he talking about? Again, in verse number 13, he's speaking of this faithful. If, if you're not faithful in the least, you're not gonna be faithful in what really matters. God allows you to have the resources that he has you, and that is an area for you to show your faithfulness. And when we're faithful in those resources, we're gonna be faithful in what really matters, and what really matters is the souls of mankind. If you haven't been faithful in material things, you're not going to be faithful in spiritual things. If you don't rule well with uh, material things, You're probably not gonna do well with spiritual things. Jesus is saying, if I can't trust you with money or the not the little or not much, then I can't trust you with great riches. Now, most of us just want more money. That's the truth. Just give me more money. But what we need is more of God. The truth of the matter is this in this room, we need God more than we need finances. We need God. More, more than true riches, we need God. More, more of what really counts. And what the Lord is saying is I am going, I am giving you money. For what reason? Because you're a steward. For what reason? Because I want, I'm testing you. You're, re, you're being tested by the resources that God has given you. Christian, what are you doing with the resources God has given you? Whether it's a a dollar or ten dollars or a hundred dollars, what are you doing with the resources that God has given you? And if you are not faithful with those resources, then God can't trust you with more. Now, how can you tell if you if money is your master? Now I I want to look at this just for a moment. How can you tell? How can you tell if, if, if money isn't more important to you than godliness? Or how can you tell if material things are more important than spiritual things? How can you tell if you're in, infected with the love of money? I'm glad that you asked. Because there's a couple tests. And the first test, I want you to write this down, please, some is this, is the faith test. The faith test. How do you know if you're infected with the love of money? I I want enough to pay my bills, but is that what I'm living for? The faith test. And that would be this. Are you trusting in uncertain riches? Are you trusting in what your money can do? Or are you trusting in what God can do? are you trusting do you look at your resources and that makes you calm or that gives you peace or are you looking to God and does he give you calm and does he give you peace what do you trust more money or God this is the faith test go, go with me to the book of Proverbs would you go there Proverbs chapter number 11 Proverbs chapter 11 are you with me this morning Proverbs chapter 11, verse number (coughs) 4. The book of Proverbs, chapter number 11, in verse number 4. The Bible says this, Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivereth from death. Riches profit not in the day of wrath. There's going to come a time where it doesn't matter what riches you have. It doesn't matter. It's no profit. Look with me in the same chapter in verse number 28. The Bible says this, he that trusteth in his riches shall what? Shall fall. If you're putting your trust in this, it could be gone. If you've been putting your trust in riches, guess what? There's times in the, in the history of this world, in the history of our country, that man is putting their trust in money and, 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 and they've taken their life because their money's all gone. They, they, it, when my money's gone then all hope is gone but, but here the author says this he that trusteth in his riches shall fall but the righteous shall flourish as a branch we put our trust in God if you're trusting in money you're going to fall the Bible's clear on that and so just quickly the faith test what are you putting your faith in what are you putting your faith in number two I want you to write this down. The priority test. The priority test. What are your goals in life? What are your goals in life? Again, I, I want everyone, right now I want everyone to say to the person next to you, take a deep breath. I want you to breathe. Tell, tell the person next to you, take a deep breath. Breathe. Because I know what you're doing. You're waiting for this punchline. And I'm, I'm just trying to help you in stewardship today. You say, "Where's he going? What's he going to do? I want you to be a good steward. I want us to look at this passage of Scripture. I want us to look out throughout the Bible and see that God is after you being a good steward with the resources that you have. Number two, I want you to write this down, the priority test. What are your goals in life? What are your goals in life? Are they primarily financial or are they spiritual? are they primarily financial or are they spiritual? Do you use the resources that God has blessed you with so that God can be glorified, so that the gospel can go forth? Or are you doing it just to gain? My family, I had a family member that told me um, there was a, uh, this fella, he lived by himself, he lived in a, an old shack, I believe it was my mom that was telling the story uh, in a town she lived in, small little Hobunk town in Michigan, in the middle of nowhere. Um, and there was a fella that, that lived in this old shack, lived, lived just, just, they thought he was the poorest man. When he died, they tore his old shack down because it was falling down. And inside the walls of this old shack, guess what it was stuffed with? Money. He was hoarding all of this money, and guess what? He died. And they found all this money. Are you you looking forward to retirement? I know I am. But, But is that what you're living for? Paying things off, getting new things, having enough so you don't never have to worry? What consumes you? What is your priority? What is, the, what is the greatest priority of your life? Is it financial freedom? Is it financial success? Is it, is it relief? Or is, it, is your priority serving the Lord Jesus Christ? There, you know, there are some that they've quit a higher paying salary to go work for a lower paying salary. You know why? So they can spend more time with their family. That shows you priorities. there's some that work their entire life to make money and they've lost every relationship in their life they're never, they're never seeing their kids they, 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 they come to a time in their life where they, they look at the spouse of, of decades and then they look and say I don't even know who you are and, and hear me today church I'm not saying that someone shouldn't work and that someone shouldn't work hard but I'm saying to you if your priority is just to get and the gain and you're not caring and spending time with the people that God has given you in your life there's a priority issue in your life if someone else or something else is going to raise your kids just so that you can make money there's a priority issue in your life God didn't give you a family so that you could be separated from your family so you can supply for them. And some people, I think, make good decisions when they understand, I don't have to make more, I might be able to make less and give a priority more on my family and do a better job. You know, that speaks of priorities. Would you agree with that? What are your priorities? To impress other people? You know, there are some, and unfortunately, there are some Christians, they live their life to impress other people. They live their life to have nicer things, to impress others, to satisfy our pride, to gain power, to to become secure. And that's not why the Christian ought to live. God, yes, work. Yes, save. Yes, secure things. Yes, be a good steward. But you're not doing it at the, at the, at the uh, neglect of the, the things that God has put in your life and the people that God have, has put in your life. I'm convicted by these things. As I'm studying this, own, this chapter and this passage of Scripture, I'm convicted by this. Some work so hard. Isn't it, isn't it ironic that someone spends all their time, all their youth working, and making themselves sick, no rest, no exercise, no no, no, no taking care of themselves, and they, they work all their youth so that they could pay in their old age for medical care of how they didn't take care of themselves when they were younger. You know what I would say to you this today, if your priorities is right? Resting and exercising is good. Speaking, spending time with your family is a, is a prior, ought to be a priority. Quiet time with the Lord is a priority. I hear this often. I hear this so much. I'll counsel with people. I'll talk with people. And I'll say, how's your Bible reading? How's your walk with the Lord? And they'll say, you know, I've gotten so busy. I, I'm not spending time with the Lord. And if you're so busy and you're not spending time with the Lord, your priorities are out of whack. What are you living for? Working through to save money. Working through some for my own self. Sometimes we work and 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 we get so busy and too busy for what God has called us to do. I was one of our deacons our chairman of a deacon board came to me just this year and he said you know pastor there are deacons they're concerned they they want to make sure that you're healthy they want to make sure you're taking care of yourself and, and 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 i appreciated that counsel i appreciated that conversation and i could tell he was kind of like well you know looking down i we just want to talk to you about something and i said tell me what you're trying to say you know what he's saying are your priorities where they need to be? And, and, and this is what this passage of scripture, Luke chapter 16, Jesus, what he's coming down to is this, are your priorities where they need to be? And how many of you would say, it's a good checkup every so often for a church to make sure their priorities are where they need to be? How many would you agree with that? How many husbands would say right now, it's a good priority to make sure, it's a good thing to, to make sure your priorities are where they need to be? How many wives would say it's a good priority? How many parents would say it's a good thing to check your priorities? Sometimes we just get so busy, we get so serving, we get, we, get so, we get so focused on things that we lose priority. And what Jesus is saying here, and I say to you, make to yourselves, in verse 9, friends of mammon of unrighteousness, that when you fa- fail or when you die, they may receive you into everlasting habitation. What is he saying? Make sure your priorities are on heaven. Yes, you're going to make friends with the, with, with the mammon. Yes, you're going to, you're going to be involved in, the, in this world. Yes, you're going to live. Yes, you have to work. Yes, money is, not, is important. But make sure it's not your priority. Make sure heaven is. I want, you, I want you to write this down. We looked at a couple tests. Your faith test. What do you trust in? Your priority test. Number three, would you write this down? The stewardship test. And I want you to ask yourself this question Is there anything in your possession you would not gladly part with if God asked for it? Is there anything that if God wanted from you, you'd have to wrestle with him for? Can God give and can God take? I want you to write this down, number four, this fourth test, admiration test. What do you admire? Are you more impressed with lives of the rich and famous or are you more impressed with lives of the godly and the people that serve God? And church, my hope and my prayer through this passage of scripture is that we would determine to be a good steward. Luke chapter 16, verse 1 and 2 this parable this parable is written to us why for for an understanding for our good you know what he's 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 suggesting that we're all stewards every one of us are stewards every one of us have been entrusted with something that god our master has given to us and i want you to understand something it's not yours it belongs to him anyways so often we think this well god just wants our tithe no god He wants all of it. It, It's all his. It's not, well, God, this is yours and the rest is mine. No, it all belongs to God. He desires all of it. And he's given you a portion of it to steward. The Bible is about honest working and making investments. Psalm 35, verse number 27, the Bible says this, Let them Shout for joy and be glad that favor my righteous cause. Yea, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which have pleasure in prosperity of his servants. God is pleasures in that. There's pleasure, the Bible says. Deuteronomy 8.18, the Bible says this. "But uh, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth power to get well. But I want to give you two warnings as well. And that's this. Don't make money at the expense of life or health. Today, as you are stewarding what God has given you, don't make money at the expense of life or health. Psalm 127.2 says this. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. You burn the candle at both ends. don't don't make money at the expense of life or health don't make money at the expense of your character you say what do you mean by that don't get into ungodly things don't get into ungodly don't think of quick easy ways then you get involved in ungodly things don't get involved in ungodly business practices don't get involved in un- ungodly investing. Don't get involved in things that go against God and God's word. Be careful. And I would say this, giving to God is an indication of our faith in God and his supply. Giving to God. Church, I desire for our church to be faithful. And as Jesus is speaking in this passage of scripture of this, un, this mammon of unrighteousness, money, possessions, material things of this world. I desire for us to be faithful in this so that we can receive blessings from heaven. You know what our goal this year and every year ought to be? That we are involved in the work that Jesus Christ has called us to. Save, seeing the souls of mankind saved. This past uh, um, month, our annual Christmas offering, over 100,000 dollars our church received to be given to missions. Well, is there anything wrong with receiving that money? No. We turn around and we use that to give to missionaries and ministries locally and and nationally, internationally, and missionaries uh, that we support in ministries that we support. For what reason? So that they can get the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. We praise the Lord for that. It takes mammon. It takes material things. It takes finances to do the work of God. But the goal is not just to get finances. The goal is to use those things to bring God honor and glory. And my challenge for us today is let's steward our finances well. Let's be faithful in the lesser. The mammon of unrighteous. The the lesser. the, The not important. So that we can see God move, that we can see God work. If we're just giving so that we hope that we get in return, I would say to you, church, we're giving for the wrong reason. If we're giving so that heaven can be enlarged, so that gospel can go forth, so that God can be glorified, so that Christ can be exalted, Now our heart is where it needs to be. Let's be faithful. Let's be faithful in the lesser, and let's give God what he deserves. Let's just determine today that we're going to be found faithful as a steward. And we're going to let God glorify, be glorified in our lives. Would you bow in prayer with me? Let's stand together. I want you to bow in prayer with me. And as we bow in prayer, there is something I do want to say. You say this, so is God just pleased with money? Is that how I get to heaven? The answer to that is a resounding no. You can't pay your way to heaven. This steward is not a good steward, so therefore he can get to heaven. That's not what this parable is speaking of. Only by God's grace in salvation, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, can one enter into heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm not speaking that we, we, we give so that we impress God, so that we have everlasting life. And that's not what this parable is about. This parable is about those that know God, those that he is our Lord and Savior. We are faithful, just stewards, and we, we, we live in such a way, and we, we invest in such a way, and we, we have and we spend in such a way to where souls of mankind will hear the gospel and spend eternity in heaven. Won't to be a wonderful thing when we get to heaven to be welcomed there? yes we're going to be welcomed by by God and by Jesus and and I believe all the heavenly host but I'm talking about won't it be a wonderful thing to be welcomed by human beings souls of mankind that thank us for our investment for our giving I was reminded this week I spent some time with one of our missionaries that we support the souls that are saved on that mission field because of your investment into the work of God. People that you may never see on this side of heaven, we're going to rejoice for all eternity with them. It's wouldn't be wonderful to see men and women and boys and girls from Africa and China and the Dominican Republic and Mexico and Canada and France and all the places that we support missionaries and send missionaries to. Wouldn't it be wonderful to see heaven filled with every nationality, every language, every tribe, every tongue? And that's what this parable is speaking of. Living in such a way, investing in such a way, being a steward in such a way where mankind and so Are we saved because of what we give? Are we saved because of what we do? Are we saved? No. We're saved because we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And if you're here today and you have never trusted in Jesus Christ, I urge you today, put your faith in him. Recognize that you're a sinner. Recognize that you can't save yourself. Recognize that God loved you and sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die and paid for your sin debt. He was placed in the grave and he rose again, conquering death. The Bible says if you trust in him, believe in your heart that he rose again from the dead, confess with your mouth thou shalt be saved. And if you're here today and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, our number one prayer, the investment, why we've come together, why we have this place is for you to come and hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and trust him as your Savior. That's our goal. We hope that you'll call upon the name of the Lord today. God, be merciful to me a sinner and save me today. I believe you died for my sins. I believe you rose again from the dead. And today, I ask you to come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And give me everlasting life. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior today, I hope, I pray, you'd pray A prayer like I just prayed. My prayer won't save you. Only yours will. But you cry out to the Lord. He'll save you. And Christian, I hope today, if you are saved, you've trusted Christ as your Savior, you'll see that God has just given you resources here so that you'll live for him. That's why he's blessed you. And what are you doing with that resource, those resources? Are you caring for the spiritual things, heavenly things? Are you investing it in eternal things? I pray the Spirit of God would lead you. If you're lost without Christ, I pray that he'd lead you and you'd be saved today. If you're here today, Christian, and you're not investing If you've got the wrong concept and view of finances and money I pray the Holy Spirit of God would convict you today and you would be a faithful just steward for God Father in heaven you know each heart you know each prayer and Lord I know as we speak about money or things material things that something can just turn it off and not want to hear it, but Lord, I pray today's challenge to us today, it's a challenge to live for Christ, to take the the resources that you've blessed us with and realize they come from you and how we live is a sign of our faithfulness to you. Lord, we want to be found faithful. I hope and I pray that each one of us want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. So as we preach the the whole counsel of God's word, Lord, I pray that your spirit would have free reign and do with it what you desire. Cause us to be Christ-like. Draw us closer to you. Make us what you want us to be here in this new year. And I pray that our priority is Would be on Christ in heaven. We ask you this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, church. Lord bless you. I pray you have a great afternoon.
1: That he should give his only son to make a righteous treasure. How great the pain of searing love. The Father turns His face away As wounds which mar the Chosen One Bring many sons to glory the Raising my Savior